we really need these types of studies to understand how we can either intervene or what habits are associated with better health outcomes. I do think that that's one of the beauties of Strong Kids too, is that it's over 400 people. And so we're not gonna be finding kind of random associations all over the place. You're listening to a Family Resiliency Center podcast hosted by Ryan Monahan. The Family Resiliency Center is a transdisciplinary research and policy center at the University of Illinois. In this podcast, we explore Strong Kids 2, a first-of-its-kind research study investigating how a child's biology and their environment work together to contribute to risks for childhood obesity and other health factors. The research team is made up of researchers from several disciplines. It involves four. 151 children who have been tracked since they were one week old. Researchers will follow their biology and their environment for several years. They've been collecting what many consider to be a goldmine of data when it comes to health information in the first years of life, including everything from breast milk to stool samples on the biology end, and even take an inventory of their kitchen pantry when it comes to looking at their environment. Researchers will then take it one step further when these kids turn five years old and look at how their body weight influences their cognitive abilities. Joining me, researcher Aaron Davis, who's working in-depth on the study, specifically in the area of breast milk. Aaron, let's talk Strong Kids 2. So Strong Kids 2 is a longitudinal um, birth cohort research study. We recruited mothers in the third trimester of pregnancy, and their infants or their children are going to be followed until five years of age. So the cohort is 451 infants, and with this project, we're taking a solid-to-society approach to understand how nutrition and dietary habits and other things going on in the home within the first year of life or the first five years are really influencing growth and development and health outcomes. And so at the cell level, we collect things like stool samples and breast milk samples and saliva for genetic analysis. Um, And then moving on up through the society approach, we go into the homes, um, we video meal times, we do food frequency questionnaires and see what's in their pantry and collect a large wealth of information about their other lifestyle habits. And so they have visits starting at one week um, postpartum and then at six weeks, three months, 12 months, and then 18 months, two years, three years, four years, and five years. And then there's a variety of different sub-projects that are going on. Um, We're really trying to maximize or optimize this population and be able to kind of spin other projects off of it and gain as much information as we can. This really is a pioneering study, and some people would call it a first-of-its-kind study, taking cells-to-society approach and kind of creating this holistic study to give us answers into health and wellness of the first few years of life. Why is that so important? We do know that early life and early childhood is associated with long-term health, and it is difficult. These are the types of studies that you really need to find associations and find patterns um, because we're watching these children develop, and over the five, first five years of life, kids are going to get food allergies. Kids are going to you know, get diagnosed with other sorts of diseases. Kids are going to have different weight and growth trajectories, and we really need these types of studies to understand how we can either intervene or what habits are associated with better health outcomes in order to possibly, you know, prevent adverse health outcomes later in life. So your research primarily focuses on birth
birth to six weeks of life and breast milk composition. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do and why it's important. So I do, breast milk is kind of my baby of this project in general. Um, and as we discussed a little bit earlier, infancy is a really critical time for immune development and for the regulation of an individual's metabolism. And so we're really interested in if nutrition, even at six weeks of life, whether it be the habits or what they're eating, um, how often they're being fed, if that's influencing things like allergy risk or weight gain um, or other growth trajectories later in life. There's a really large gap in research right now understanding that and we're kind of using this cohort with such rich information about their lifestyle factors and about their dietary habits. And then moving on from there, we're also doing things like even looking at the bacteria in breast milk. So all of these things really contribute to this really unique and diverse fluid that's being delivered at a really critical period in life for the babies and so I kind of have this just little chunk in time that is thought to influence long-term health and risk for disease. Erin can you talk about the impact this project could have on potential interventions that would be put into place because of this research that really could help make everyone healthier? Sure so an observational study like this with a really large group of people is really what you need to draw large associations. And then what we'll be able to do with the amount of data that we're collecting from this project, there's hundreds of different routes that we could go and hundreds of different interventions that we could inform with this. Um, so we'll have to pick and choose just a couple, but it really allows you to narrow in on a specific area that, that might be a good place for therapeutic intervention. So I guess we could use the six-week time point for an example. Um, if we find that how often an infant is eating or um, their, how much they're eating at each, you know, at each feeding, is that influencing their long-term weight gain? Then that might be an area of therapeutic intervention in the future that might be able to influence, influence their weight gain, their risk for childhood obesity, which we know influences health in the long term. I think otherwise, what's really unique about Strong Kids too is, like I keep saying, it's a wealth of information. We're really attacking a lot of these problems or our questions from a multitude of angles. Um, so what I think we're gonna find is that it's probably not just the biology and it's not just the society and it's not just the clan, but is there a way that we can you know, target an intervention from you know, a multitude of facets to really create the best intervention, whether it be for infant diet or whether it's for meal times or whether it's for nutrition in the child care setting. Um, I think there's a lot of different routes and Strong Kids too is going to play um, a large role in developing these interventions. Erin, what would you tell parents? What should parents know about this study? Um, what I would tell parents is keep breastfeeding your kids and um, you know we'll be back hopefully in the next couple of years with a lot more research into how these different components are influencing them um, but I think at this point it, it's hard to control it's you know there's it's a one of the interesting things is that breast milk is very unique to each mother so it's a little hard to generalize about breast milk composition but I do think that that's one of the beauties of strong kids too is that it's over 400 people and so we're not going to be finding 
finding kind of random associations all over the place. It'll really give us a good idea if we do see patterns, if we do see associations with infant health outcomes, that likely is an area that we need to dive a little bit deeper into. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Ryan Monahan. Strong Kids 2 research is supported with grants from the National Dairy Council, the Gerber Foundation, the Christopher Family Foundation, Hatch Funding from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the National Institutes of Health. More information on Strong Kids and Strong Kids 2 and its research funding can be found at the Family Resiliency Center website at familyresiliency.illinois.edu.